With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the June 14th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Getting ready to recap a wild Game 5 in Oakland with the, with the Cavs coming up big with the road win. Obviously, no Draymond helped. Uh, so we'll talk about that and some news and notes. Uh, with me to do that is Ryan Kanas. What's up, man? Uh, not much, Mike. Fun fun game last night, huh? Definitely, man. Uh, loved, loved seeing what I... Not out of Kevin Love, but out of Kyrie and <laughs> uh, and LeBron really put the team on their back. Um, I mean, one twelve ninety seven. The Warriors. I mean, the the whole pretty much series was all right. Cleveland can't stop the Warriors on offense, and that was without Draymond. You weren't really concerned with that. But mm-hmm. the Warriors in the fourth quarter, man, thirteen points did not look like themselves. Forced a lot of shots. Cleveland said he was forcing shots. He took one that was like from half court. Think in the third quarter. Um, yeah. So w- what did yep. you think? Uh, well, I guess we'll talk about the losers first. Uh, obviously, Draymond was a huge, huge hole that wasn't filled. Uh, so, who do you think is to blame? Who do you think has to improve? Or, or what were your kind of takeaways or anything that jumped out at you yesterday? Uh, well, I think with Draymond out, they really needed Iguodala and Barnes to step up in particular. Uh, Iguodala did his part. He was great throughout the game, uh, but Barnes was terrible. He was he shot 2 of 14 from the field and was really just a non-factor. Um, so I'd, I'd lay some blame at Barnes's feet for sure. Um, and then Clay, like you said in the second half, the Warriors offense just didn't have their usual mojo. And he did force some shots. That three I think you were talking about is a terrible air ball. Yeah. But but he got the ball with like four seconds left on the shot clock, five feet beyond the three-point arc. Um, and credit on that play I think was due to Shumpert, who was yep. ch- chasing him through multiple screens. You know, back and forth across the court, uh, whereas J.R. Smith throughout the game had just kept losing contact with Clay. He got even early in the in the third quarter. Clay missed a couple threes that he could have made. Um, the refs didn't call one where J.R. closed out late and fouled him on a three pointer in the corner. So a couple, you know, a couple bad breaks, and then I think the switch of having Shumper primarily defend him was a was a big move from Tyloo. Definitely, um, I thought that Shumpert was was on it. Um, what Clay had twenty three in the first half, made all six of his threes in the first half. After he only had five combined threes in the first four first halves of the series, so that mm-hmm. was that was crazy. Um, he was like, "All right, here comes Clay. He's been always a slow starter. He thought he may hit fifty, but yeah, like you said, Shumpert really locked him up. Uh, yeah, so they never really got clean looks. Uh, and I thought that where they missed Draymond and Bogut after he messed up his knee, Bogut getting an MRI today. They missed those high screens, man. Um, it's amazing what a high screen can do to free up Clay and free up Curry, and it, they just weren't getting free. Uh, so I think that was a big thing that's going to be missed, and they'll miss that with Bogut. Sounds like Bogut's going to be out. Yeah, um, yeah, and you're right. And uh, I think in Game Four, the Warriors used a lot more small on small screens, yeah. um, but. Now the Cavs know that that's exactly what's going to happen because the Warriors physically didn't have the personnel to do it any other way. So it's different when you can when you know what's coming. 
Yeah, I didn't see them set very or have success with uh, the clay screens. They were they were really using clay on Steph screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that the, the screen game was they they pretty much did what people hated about the Cavs, the quote unquote hero ball, where there's a lot of isolation, not a lot of ball movement, uh, and it's just crazy what Draymond Green how he facilitates the offense the way he does with being able to pull the rim protector away from the rim when he plays the five, uh, yeah. really opens up that whole offense, and we really saw that um, I want to say in game two when they just kept cutting down the lane, the the Warriors mm-hmm. it was it was really effective. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, one more trickle down from Draymond being out. Obviously, you had to start Igudala, which takes so much power away from that bench. So you look at what they did as a unit. Most Bates shot 0 of six. Uh, the bench was a combined five of twenty. And yeah, I think that all just traces back to the fact that Igudala wasn't there as the sort of head of the snake for that unit. Yeah, and playing Barnes at the five didn't look good at all. <laughs> I think that was. Um... That yeah, they they really missed him there, and then they even played him there in the first half. But when Bogut went down, that was the the substitution they made. They brought um, they used Barnes, and they brought Livingston in, if I recall. And that lineup just didn't look good. Actually, that um, yeah, that lineup they played eight minutes together: Curry, Clay, Livingston, Igadala, Barnes, minus fifty six net rating, with a fifty three offensive rating. So that 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 small ball lineup just was not there at all and like yeah. you said harry harry b uh i wrote in his board yesterday have you harry b giveth and harry b taketh away um, mm-hmm. which yeah he hurt himself a little bit uh after well, what was one of his best games uh, and he had two good games in a row mm-hmm. so yeah harry b is is, is yeah, he's he's easily the guy to blame but then like he's like we said the bigs they just couldn't couldn't come up with the formula, especially with Bogut going down. And Bogut didn't really play too well uh, in the first half before he got hurt. So it's just it's yeah. amazing. Uh, if you want to make a case that Draymond Green's the Finals MVP and they win this series, like I think Draymond is is kind of got a nice little cushion now. Yeah, I would agree. I think overall you could probably make the case for LeBron, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if the Warriors win, it's gonna it's gonna look good for Draymond. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, I thought Iguodala. We really saw Draymond Green too. Like he couldn't gamble as much. I mean, Iguodala has been great at kind of stealing the ball and pressuring and fun- uh, funneling LeBron to where the help is going to be, and it wasn't really there. Uh, LeBron. It, well, first of all, LeBron's outside shot. We'll get to that in a minute. Was was gold, uh, and that was a big part of it. So Iguodala's defense is going to be a little overblown. But they definitely missed that help defense. Uh, with And then Draymond, too, plays on LeBron. So Iguodala kind of got worn down. We saw that kind of as the game went on. Uh, yep. 41 minutes, very, very active on both ends. So Yeah, you're right. You can't fault Iguodala's defense. I mean, LeBron, especially if his jumper's going like that, you can't stop him. You can just try to force him to go the direction you want him to go. But if the help isn't there, it's all for naught, which is what we saw last night. Yeah, Harrison Barnes is your rim protector. <laughs> it's not, yeah. not exactly an ideal situation. Not going to work. Yeah. Can we? Uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about the Cavs, but quickly, uh, what do you think is going to happen if Bogut, he's getting an MRI today, we should find out soon. Um, the Warriors are calling it a sprained left knee, but given his injury history, it seems like there's a pretty good chance he's going to miss game six. Um, if that's the case, what do you think Golden State will do or should do uh, in terms of their starting lineup? Uh, I would say will and should do start Iguodala and go with the death lineup out of the gate. We saw that really successful last year in the finals. Mm-hmm. Things are a little bit different, but you're not scared of Kevin Love <laughs> so compared to yeah. last year. So yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. I thought Festus Azilius looked like a chump in the past couple. 
um, who was building up some momentum kind of in their earlier runs of the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Most Spates is, is a disaster right now. You can't start him. He's not a candidate. And, and then Anderson Barishal has been okay, but I don't trust him. Uh, but, yeah, just play those guys as many minutes as you can. Hostile environment in Cleveland. Uh, they're going to be really fired up after that after the win last night. So I, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, you know, put your best foot forward and and see what happens. Yep. Um, McAdoo didn't look good either. He he looked a little bit lost, kind of deer in headlights. Um, didn't had a, I think he kind of felt the pressure. And just yeah, a couple same. couple plays where he was just a step behind and ended up committing a foul. And he, yeah, he did uh, the look on his face every once in a while. Told you that he wasn't <laughs> wasn't quite prepared to be there. Yeah. And then last week we didn't really talk about Curry. What did what did you think? Uh, I didn't. He didn't really. He had a lot of shots. Fourteen from three. Uh, only made five. I think he had three in like the first quarter, or just beyond the first quarter. And then again, I think they were what three of twenty-one from three in the second half. It was just a disaster. Yeah. So I think we talked about most of it. But do you see him? Like he hasn't been really himself besides that thirty-eight point game. So yeah, do you see no, him snapping out. Yeah, we haven't quite seen seen the usual stuff. Uh, I, you know, I I credit the Cavs' defense. He's still he's still scoring, but they're making him work very hard for it um they're staying attached to him outside the three-point line uh even when he's off ball his catches aren't easy so i give a lot of credit to cleveland and you know i wouldn't put anything past the mvp but i don't i don't think we're gonna see a human torch performance in cleveland maybe um game seven all bets are off (laughs) yeah it's pretty crazy that curry hasn't been great but he he's still sitting on a 60 true shooting uh in like a 31 usage rate i think yeah, um, expectations but, are just yeah. a little bit high for him. Yeah. So. Well, he had like one of the best. He's like he's the first guy ever to go sixty-six true shooting, thirty usage rate ever. So I mean, it's just yeah. like you said, expectations and the minutes increase too. So it's a a little skewed. Uh, you would expect to see more thirty-point games like every night with with that kind of efficiency. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on to the Cavs. Um, someone I forget who. Um, tweeted out a, a great, a great analogy that LeBron gave seven strong innings like a pitcher, and then Kyrie closed it out uh, in the eighth and ninth inning, which I thought was perfect. Uh, Kyrie was unbelievable in the second half. Twelve of the nineteen points scored in the fourth, uh, and that's counting some garbage time. Um, usage rate numbers are ridiculous in the fourth quarter. Um, where I had it queued up here, uh, I think they were like forty-seven, forty-seven. Yeah, I lost it, but I'm pretty sure they were both about 47 usage rate. Um, LeBron and Kyrie, it was, and Kevin Love had a 3.2 usage rate in the 3.7 usage rate in the second half in 15 minutes. Yeah, it, it was just a takeover for those two guys. Yeah, for the game, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the two studs, but Kevin Love, what a what a disappointing game that was. He shot. One of four on uncontested shots. One of five overall. You, you mentioned what sub four percent usage in the second half. Uh, for the for the game, it was nine point four. He was passing up shots. Um, he he would, wasn't looking aggressive. I mean, for a guy who I, I think led the league in rebounds at fifteen plus one season, last night in thirty three minutes he had six rebound chances, uh, compared to twenty for LeBron and twenty nine for Tristan. So he's I know on offense he's sometimes buried out on the three point line, but you know, for your power forward, you can't have him have six chances at, an, at a rebound, which means he's within four feet of it in 33 minutes. He needs to be significantly better if the Cavs are going to steal this. Yeah, and he actually, it was 3.1 usage rate, and he had an identical total rebound rate of 3.1. 
Oof. You're power yeah. forward. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like you said, it's perennially in like the top three or four before we got to Cleveland and, and the rebounds and the double doubles. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you do with Kevin? I mean, he. This is the we knew coming in. This is going to be a bad series for him. The, mm-hmm. the Warriors really attacked him. But then Ty Lue said he's going to start Kevin Love game six. He said this is what got him here. I don't know about that. Do, I mean, do you trust Love? I mean, you're not going to get Kyrie. This is the first time ever two guys scored 40 points uh, on the same team in a finals game. Right. So this isn't right. going to happen again. So are you okay with Love just kind of tagging along? Unfortunately, I think the Cavs don't have a choice. Uh, you look at the reserves that stepped up last night. It was Iman Shumpert. Richard Jefferson, that's it. Uh, they didn't score when Matthew Delavidova was on the court. They didn't score when, in the couple minutes that Mo played. Um, so yeah, they don't. They just don't have many options. Channing Frye was a DMP CD, which I agree with. He should have been. Um, he's basically a lesser version of Kevin Love. So uh, yeah, I'd stick with Love. And Tyloo usually tries to, at least early in the games, feed him, try to get him going in the post, give him a couple post-up looks. They did it again last night, but as you saw, it didn't. You know, they quickly get away from that. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't like it. And you see Love out on the court. He struggles. You think, oh, what what else can they do here? But I just don't see many alternatives. Yeah. Did you also see, I'll have to retweet this out, um, there's a picture of Kevin Love defending a Steph Curry three. And he has the most ridiculous face. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, he looks <laughs> horrified like he just saw yeah. Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to retweet that. After, that was a pretty I'll great one. on the pod if you guys didn't see it. Or actually, I'll, I'll put it on the the Rotor World page, like how awesome that picture is. <laughs> but yeah, and without Draymond Green, you were like, all right, maybe he maybe he does something here. But a, a very very big letdown. But again, Kyrie carried him. Yeah, uh, and LeBron too. So um, I thought Richard Jefferson was you know okay. Um, not yeah, he played he played well. Yeah, um, gave him a couple quick buckets. Um, you know, every time it seemed like. The, the Warriors would hit a three. The Cavs would at least come down and get a layup, or uh, you know, hit a little jumper, something to just kind of stop the bleeding. And uh, yeah, RJ was part of that. Yep. So that's they they really control the tempo pretty much. Yeah. You, you mentioned the uh, the usage rates for Kyrie and LeBron, and I was looking at this. Um, Kyrie made seventy six point five percent of his shots unassisted, and LeBron was even higher at eighty one point three percent. Um, which is great when two superstars are making virtually everything they put up. Uh, the only concern there for me would be Cleveland. You know, that's as you said, that's not going to happen again. They're not going to score both score forty in a game. So the Cavs need to keep the ball moving because, you know, on nights when Kyrie shoots seven of twenty-two, they're going to need teammates to knock down easy open three pointers. And you know, if if all these shots are coming unassisted, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, LeBron's talked about that after losses that. Um, when he's trying to get the ball out to his guys and how he wasn't getting foul calls um, mm. to kick it out to his boys. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, anything, J.R. Smith, I mean, nothing really too crazy. He, I thought he was all right. Um, yeah, like you said, he had the kind of the, the rough start defensively, um, but pretty much just he is what he is. Yeah, no, he he played his game. He had a couple, I, I, you know, it looks good when he's aggressive going towards the hoop. I think that gives the Cavs offense a, a different dimension, and he did that on a couple possessions. Um, yeah, played an overall pretty good game. And, and it's then, sorry, no, that's all right. He uh, you know, he fell off 
Clay a couple times defensively, and Clay made him pay on virtually every single one of those. Uh, if that's if that's a different player who's not as lights out shooting from beyond the arc, it looks like a fine defensive performance for J.R. Smith. So, um, yeah, I think he was all right. Yeah, and then Matt Delavadova lost his rotation spot at least for now. Um, they when they pulled Kyrie briefly, uh, they put Mo Williams in. So, yeah. do you think Delhi is done now? Or I mean, he was bad I, in the first yeah. half. Right, I think he just had a terrible night. He committed with like three fouls in yeah. three and a half minutes, and yeah. I think he turned the ball over. Um, I think he just looked terrible, so Ty Lue went in a different direction. Yeah, three minutes, three fouls, two turnovers, two missed shots from the field, no assists, no rebounds, oh, yeah. no points. I mean, that's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's st- a stupid small sample size, but yeah. a net rating of negative 75. <laughs> Some of that was uh, was I think his first half was probably worse because he had a uh, I think a little late garbage or something. But uh, oh man, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, Tristan Thompson too. We didn't talk about. I thought he was missed free throws again, but um, the the boards were big and not having Draymond down there, like we said, with the the Harrison Barnes factor was was really huge for them. Yeah, Tristan's been great all series, really. Um, and he doesn't get too much credit, but he he's pretty adept at going out onto the perimeter when uh, 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 you know the Warriors force a switch, even temporarily, and just kind of harassing those guards and making them have a couple extra dribbles so that every, the defense can get set behind him. Um, you know, and with his length and his quickness, he's actually pretty effective. Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, yeah, he, another underrated player who I, was... He's great in wins uh, under the radar, <laughs> but sometimes losses he can get a little exposed. Um, like well, like on game four, uh, he was an 0 of 5 from the line, which is inexcusable. Yeah. Um, okay, so you probably won't be on for the Thursday preview pod. So do you want to throw a prediction out there for game six? Or even um, what, do you, what do you think? Going back to Cleveland, I think the line is Cleveland favored by 2.5. So hmm. do you think – what do you see happening? Uh, Draymond, Draymond gonna... coming back is huge, but then Bogey yeah. too. I'll go out on a, a limb and say that the Warriors are going to end it in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I think I think they're going to be stung after after that most recent loss, and Draymond coming back is huge. Um, even if Bogut isn't able to play, I think the Warriors have enough depth to get it done. Um, yeah, and also from the, the Warriors, I wouldn't overreact to Kyrie's explosion, the loss. You know, they're playing without a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Uh, Kyrie himself admitted it's going to be very very difficult, to say the least, to repeat his Game Five performance. Um, I think you just tip your hat. He made tough shots, and that's it. Like you know, I wouldn't maybe throw a couple more traps at him, get him a little more off balance. But otherwise, I'm not going to change my scheme. Yep. They. Uh, one thing I forgot to add. They killed on non-restricted twos. Uh, the league average on in the paint out outside of the rim. So in the paint, but beyond three feet, they were 64 uh, percent. Seven of eleven league average is only 37 percent. Usually, people because you're going to get a contested shot there. Highly contested shots. So they were phenomenal there. They were 10 of 19 on mid-range, so 53%. League average is 40%. So I think LeBron had 23 combined points, um, two-pointers beyond the paint, and then he had 20 last night. Uh, so that, that was a huge part. And that's that's not sustainable. So I'm with you. I'm going to take the Warriors um, with this one. Draymond coming back is huge. And then he was, you guys probably saw, he was watching the game in a luxury suite at Odako Coliseum. Uh, with GM Bob Myers for most of the uh, all of the first half, some of the second half, Marshawn Lynch was up there, um, <laughs> and then Mark Spears was on Sports Center afterwards saying Draymond Green was quote hurting, 
uh, from the loss. He was yelling at the TV. He watched the game without the audio because he didn't want to hear Mark Jackson and all those guys, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, Mike Bream, all those guys talk about how Draymond Green was affecting. Uh, and he was apparently fired up after the game. So, it's yeah, I, I think Draymond <laughs> is huge. Uh, and he's one. It's he made a great case for why he's neck and neck with Kawhi for Defensive Player of the Year. All right, so moving on to some news and notes here. Uh, right on time. We're, we're, we're about twenty minutes into the pod, so we're doing good. Um, we got uh, Jimmy Butler news. Uh, Mark Stein tweeted out about forty-five minutes before the game that the Wolves are really interested in dangling that fifth pick, and I think they would obviously need more to go after ex-Tibodeau boy Jimmy Butler. And then recently, as we're recording here, uh, the the Bulls would want Andrew Wiggins in any Butler deal. And then they're also reportedly looking to move Derrick Rose, which is obvious if they go ahead and trade Butler. So what do you mm-hmm. think about all this? Oh, yeah, it's some interesting stuff. I'm not surprised that uh, Tom Thibodeau is, you know, acting GM basically would uh, would – Go after Butler. Um, the fifth pick is obviously not nearly enough. So some sort of package like Wiggins and the fifth pick. Um, you know, I like it. It brings a, a superstar with, you know, endless toughness to the to a young Wolves team. Uh, so he could be he could really take them to the next level if you just replace Andrew Wiggins with Jimmy Butler. You're going to have a significant upgrade. So I like it from Minnesota's point of view. I don't necessarily think it'll get done. Um, and if the Bulls do decide that they're willing to part with Butler, they're going to have plenty of suitors. So there's going to be a lot of competition. Uh, it's not just going to be a you know back and forth between these two teams. So I think there's a long road to go down before anything actually happens. Celtics at th- with third pick plus other stuff would definitely be someone to consider. Maybe like an Andrew mm-hmm. Bradley, um, something along those lines would be a nice deal. Which is sense if. Uh, if I well, I don't think I think that Wiggins at number five is a tad too much. Um, I mean, Wiggins, we saw him improve from three. He hit what forty-one percent, uh, I think, seventy attempts after the break. So he was kind of kind of coming along there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought his defense was better. I think Thibodeau will help him on defense. Still a young player, still have him under your control. I mean, just finished his second season, uh, and we knew he was going to be somewhat raw. His isolation scoring has been good. So uh, I, I like what I'm seeing out of him. That would be too much for me. I think that what makes the most sense is Levine and the five, and then maybe a little piece here and there uh, mm-hmm. to kind of get that together because uh, obviously you're going to need a trade a shooting guard. And I thought Wiggins played pretty well at small forward um, when they finally opted to play Levine at pretty much the straight two late in the season. So, yeah. Um, and then and then also with if Butler's gone, they ha- they're going to deal Rose for like anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they could get like a first round draft pick and then, you know, obviously money to offset that ridiculous contract he has. Uh, yeah, so. it feels it feels almost inevitable, you know, whether Butler goes to the Wolves or somewhere else, or even if he's not traded, it's, it seems inevitable that the Bulls are going to make some major changes this summer, right? Yeah, Bulls, Bucks, uh, Rockets. I think those are probably my three, t- and then maybe Celtics if, if they can do what they want to do. Uh, yeah. in a positive direction. And then 76ers, too. They're, oh, sure. They're going to yeah. make some moves. Uh, all right, so moving on here. Uh, the obvious news of the month, uh, DeMar DeRozan officially opted out. He had a deadline tomorrow, uh, and he did so yesterday, Monday, um, to opt out of his contract. We've been talking about this forever. So, And, I mean, Lakers, Raptors, anybody else, do you 
even think think goes after DeRozan, who would probably get max. Um, yeah, he's he's almost definitely going to get max offers. I think. Um, seems likely that Toronto will will try to retain him. They've had great success with this core, so why not keep it together for another year? They just gave <clears throat> Dwayne Casey a significant extension. Um, I think it makes sense for them to just keep that that relatively young core together and see how much further they could go in the East. Um, but as you said, you know, uh, DeRozan's pretty polarizing around the league. He's not always the most efficient player uh, offensively. And yeah, there's going to be enough interest. And I think a player of his caliber with the salary cap expanding, he's going to get max offers. It's just a question of whether Toronto's also willing to go there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I thought he played a little bit better. And if he didn't play like such trash in in the playoffs, uh, really throughout, the, um, the Raptors were awfully close to to pulling off the upset. Uh, Lowry too, like there, and I mean, Valachunas getting a year better. We saw him kind of turn the corner in the playoffs. So I mean, Norman Powell will be a year older. I think they got a good little core there. So that, like you said, they'll probably keep it together. Uh, yeah. And apparently the Lakers aren't all in on him from some previous reports last week, I believe. Right. Uh, okay, so moving on. Speaking of the Bucks, mentioned them momentarily, or momentarily, uh, recently. <laughs> uh, Jason Kidd is uh, getting a three-year extension for about $15 million. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, what do you think about the Bucks? And also to tie into that, the Greek national team is apparently going to give Giannis Antetokounmpo every chance to shine in the qualifiers, and then if they make it into the tournament, uh, the Olympic tournament, he'll be playing a lot. So, Bucks, do you see them making changes? I mean, Kidd has had more impact on the personnel, and it hasn't worked. Uh, the Michael yeah. Carter-Williams trade is a fiasco, losing Brandon Knight, who would be a great fit with that team right now. Uh, so what do you think about the, the Bucks moving up? I mean, they were supposed to make the playoffs, according to a lot of people, and that didn't happen. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not surprised to see Milwaukee give Kid this extension, despite, as you pointed out, some really bad moves. Um, that night trade is is first and foremost, but also, you know, paying spending all that money to get Greg Monroe, who just didn't look like a good fit with them this year. Um, they've also got John Henson, who they owe, 50, you know, forty something million dollars over the next four years. They need to develop him, and he didn't really see much of that this year. Um, Michael Carter Williams, who they presumably traded for to be their point guard of the future has since been relegated to it to the bench um you know just a lot of misfires for kid um yeah i think they're definitely gonna have to make changes we've talked before about how monroe isn't a great fit but he still has pretty good currency around the league so i think there's going to be some trade interest there um be interesting to see what they do in the draft any free agents they can pick up they gotta flush out their bench uh Really, I think the front court needs the most work. Obviously, they've got good versatility at the um, point guard, shooting guard, small forward. So I think adding a few big men it would be a priority for them this summer. Yeah, uh, well, they're going to need a shooting guard if they play. They're going to need another wing too. Um, if they pull, what if they play Giannis at the one? Then they're going to need someone next to Middleton. We talked about this before. Um, they're pretty yeah. much left with Richard Vaughn, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. But yeah, they definitely need a rim protector back there. Um, but uh, it's crazy how the Bucks are on like their kind of headlining moves at the time have been bad. Um, the JJ Redick Tobias Harris deal has been bad. That was pre kid. Um, mm-hmm. The Monroe thing hasn't gone well. But then they're kind of under the radar. Not headlining moves have been great. Uh, Middleton has been awesome. 
Um, we talked about the bad Carter Williams deal, I should have mentioned. Uh, and then Giannis, what, 13th pick, uh, one, one of the best post-10 picks really since Kawhi. Um, uh, and Clay yeah. Thompson's up there too, so it's it's crazy. That team's, they're, they're there. I mean, Jabari's been a pretty solid pick at two, and then when they out-tanked the Sixers, that that was huge when they got the number one position in the lottery. Um, right. Even though the Wolves won the lottery, they still got number two because they held that number one position. Yeah, as long as we're uh, piling on the Bucks for bad trades, I should I should mention the Gravis Vasquez trade. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. Norman Powell, was, uh... baby, and a first. What's that? Norman Powell. That they got a. Uh, the, the yeah, Raps they got they got a first round pick that they turned into uh, Norman Powell, I think. Yeah, and then another first. They get that pick and another. First. Oh yep. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, just a crazy flop on that one. Yeah, that was that was one of the bad under the radar ones. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't get that one at the time either. But they uh, they knew they needed help with MCW. Okay, so moving on, sticking with the 76ers briefly here. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ben Simmons is not working out. Do you care? I think he's number one pick pretty much hands <laughs> no, down. Um, you know, I think this is just the new age of top prospects. He's probably all but guaranteed to go number one, so what's the incentive? Yeah, uh, exactly. So... Um, one quick other note, uh, Buddy Heald going 85 of 100 from three at Celtics workouts. So he's he's kind of the mystery man to me. I could see him going high. I could see him slipping because he could just shoot. He kind of wasn't very good last year. He shot like 36%, and then he shot a ridiculous 45 to lead the NBA, uh, lead the NCAA in, in three-pointers. So are, are you a Heald guy? Do you not know, or what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued by him. Four-year player, and he, he improved vastly last year. He, uh, ju- as a junior, he shot 35.9 percent from downtown. Last year, he shot 45.7. Um, so just a just a tremendous leap. I think he's he's definitely going to be a lottery pick. Um, I don't necessarily see him being top five, and I definitely don't think the Celtics are going to take him. They don't really need to to add another 22-year-old shooting guard to the mix. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I picture them going more with the power forward. Um, but yeah, I could see Heald falling in that, you know, eight to ten range, maybe even a l- little bit higher. Yeah, yeah totally agree. It's right, I'm right there with you. I could see uh, if the wool if the Wolves make a deal. But then apparently the the Bulls want to target Chris Dunn as a point guard. So mm. if they can strike up a deal, they're going to want to go there for Celtics or whatever. Yeah, because uh, obviously the Derrick Rose thing has not worked out. Yeah. All right, so let's skip ahead here to, uh, to some questions. Had a couple notes, but we'll we'll get this thing wrapped up. Uh, got a question from uh, tying into Kyrie from AG. Where do you think Kyrie ranks in the NBA right now um, for fantasy? He was only a third rounder per game last year. He was eleventh two seasons ago. Really fell off as a catch and shoot guy. That knee injury was a factor. So uh, fantasy wise, we're, we'll tackle that first. Where do you see him kind of going? Yeah, I mean, we've seen his upside, but I'd say as long as LeBron is in town, I don't think I would take him in the second round. I think, especially with his injury history, he probably gets pushed down to the the 30 range for me. Yeah, that's probably about where I'm going to go. Yeah, like early third. Uh, I think someone will probably take him before. Um, The injury history and, yeah, that last year was just like a unicorn of a season with how efficient he was on catch and shoot. Uh, Reality side... I'll just rattle off some names I'd rather have. Uh, Curry, LeBron, Kawhi, Carl Anthony Towns, Durant, uh, AD, 
Westbrook, George, Draymond, Chris Paul. That's ten right there. You with me on all ten of those? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Harden, Clay, Boogie, Jimmy Butler. This is in no order. Uh, Damian Lillard. That's fifteen right there. And then Andre Drummond, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So we're getting close to twenty. And then I think he kind of comes into play. Paul Millsap, kind of in there. Yeah, I'm completely with you here. You yeah. said Paul George, I guess. Oh yeah, no, I didn't. I forgot George. Yeah, but George. oh yeah. So yeah, you're yeah. right around twenty right there. That you're looking at yeah. like I don't know. Uh, that's pretty much. It's still right there around twenty. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Cool. Anything else? Also, one last thing I wanted to mention here is um, we're gonna do a lot of pods. We got a lot of stuff coming up in the off season. We have free agency uh, July 1st to early July. Summer League starting in Orlando on the 2nd, and that's going to go through the 18th um, with some pretty much straight overlaps um, for, for Vegas and everything. So we'll be covering that. We have the Olympic qualifying round going on at that time from July 4th to the 10th. Uh, and then the Olympics are in August 6th to the 20th. Crazy amount of basketball. And I guess you understand yeah. why all these guys, Curry, Harden, CP3, all these guys don't want to play in the Olympics. Like, Take some time off. Yeah, especially guys who make a deep postseason push. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just at what point can you rest your body after this incredible grind of playing 90-plus games? Yeah. Let's spend some of that money you, you've been working the tail <laughs> off for, man. Like, take a on, vacation. Like, yeah, exactly. Take a mo- <sighs> month and a half long vacation. Like, I know J.R. Smith's going to probably have a, a few good trips. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so um, we'll get out of here on that. Uh, Also, I have to mention that Kirby Enthusiasm is getting a ninth season, which I'm totally fired up about. Are you a Kirby fan? Yeah, I am. I just saw that this morning. That's pretty terrific news. Pretty, pretty, pretty. (laughs) All right, so we're going to get out of here on that. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Ryan. You got it. See you, Mike. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.